everybody. Welcome to episode 289 of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, your source for all things indie film. I'm one of your hosts, Ashia Dumont. I'm another host, Mr. Paul Robinson, and it's been a little while. It's been a little while. Um, since we had uh, a guest on, yep. and so I'm excited that we do. Let us know who you are. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is David Siv, and I am a filmmaker. Uh, most recently, I directed my debut documentary titled Bad X. Cool. Yes. So um, we had seen this documentary, and uh, I thought it was just really interesting. And, and uh, one of the, the most intriguing things about it is that yeah, I, I watch a lot of documentaries. Paul kind of has to be dragged into them a lot of times, but then he usually is happy he's there, but I have to kind of like bring him in. And, well, it's, um, like, it's like working out or reading. It's nothing that you want to do, <laughs> but then after you do it, you feel better about yourself. So... Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, watching so many documentaries, you, you have, you know, several so, sort of formats and styles. And, you, you know, like, you know, when you get a crime documentary, they're very, uh, very stylized and set. And it's this very uh, sort of corporate, almost interview type of thing. And um, I, I always enjoy this type of documentary because it's uh, you sort of forget that you're watching a documentary. It's it's somewhat voyeuristic in a way where you're kind of like in people's lives. And uh, um, how did how did this come about? Yeah, um, <clears throat> not Bad X is, is obviously a, a very personal documentary. And mm -hmm. um, to be honest, I, you know, it, when I envisioned my career as a filmmaker, when, you know, I, I graduated from film school back in 2015, um, I, I don't think I ever envisioned that I would, you know, be a documentary mm -hmm. filmmaker or that was a, a medium um that I would feel, you know, uh, passionately about because uh, writing was always my background and uh, something I very much enjoyed doing. Um, and so when COVID hit in 2020, uh, I moved back home to my hometown of Bad Axe, Michigan, just like so many, you know, young adults did to mm -hmm. escape the, the pandemic. And um, I packed up all my, my camera gear because I was, I was doing a lot of just, you know, freelance camera work. Um, I, I was, I was shooting a lot of, uh, content for, you know, YouTubers and, um, and, and this was all after I had been working, uh, you know, for quite some time as, as a producer, um, at a production company, which is actually Jeff Tremaine's production company, Gorilla Flicks, um, where he, you know, he did documentaries, but he also did a lot of narrative and, and scripted work. Um, so, you know, that was in 2019 and, and that's when I left that company and it's like, okay, I'm going to, you know, start my, um, path to start directing films and, you know, whether it's commercials or, um, uh, corporate videos, whatever it was, right. right? I, I, I was ready to just get my, you know, my feet wet in that. And then, you know, pandemic hits and I'm, I'm forced to go back to, bad X Michigan of all places where, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's, it's not a place filmmakers, uh, would right. go not necessarily a hub for cinema. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Not necessarily, you know, the population of, of less than like 3000 people, not, not a hub for cinema, um, in any way. Um, and you know, it, it was during, uh, this time in March, 2020, um, I've, I've actually been writing a script, uh, it's it's been actually in the works for close to a decade now that is really my family's story um an american dream story of you know escaping the killing fields and, and all the history of cambodia that comes with that but then coming to america and so when i first took that camera out when i got the bad axe a lot of it was just okay i don't know how much time i'm gonna have i i just lost you know my job just like how so many people in media did so I'm going to devote my time to mm -hmm. really, you know, working on the script and, and finishing it. And part of that process was I, I need to sit down and I need to interview my family and just make sure I, you know, I, I have something I can go back to when, when I'm script writing, I can open up Premiere and, you know, just watch the footage and, and you know, sort of have um, just a library of, of stories I can keep coming back to. I'm also a compulsive filmmaker. Um, you know, aside from that being part of my process in writing, I have always just loved filming my family, mm -hmm. um, filming special moments. So, you know, Bad X started off as two things. It started off as, as research for this 
you know, other project, but at the same time, I'm a bored filmmaker with <laughs> not much yeah. to do. Yeah. Um, living during an interesting time in history. So, you know, there, there was part of it, the intuition, I think that, you know, uh, many documentary filmmakers have that you, you realize when there's a, a important moment in time that's going on. And so aside from the interviews, I was just recording, you know, for research and for writing my script, I, I was capturing just many more hours beyond that of just verite footage. Mm-hmm. Um, our family doing the most mundane things of what so many families were doing right. during the pandemic. And you can even get more specific, you know, as far as, okay, well, what about families who were running restaurants? What about families who were in rural, you know, America? And and I, I hadn't realized like what I was, um, you know, I, I didn't necessarily realize what I was capturing would be so universal at all. Because for me, it was just personal. It was, yeah. it was home videos of my family living in an important time and thinking, wow, this is some something one day I can, you know, uh, show my, my kids and my mm-hmm. nieces and my nephews one day as far as this is what 2020 was. And somewhere along the lines of just never putting that camera down. Um, and, and I want to say it was it was around the time of the the Black Lives Matter movement when that happened. Uh, when I had this realization that oh maybe I'm not just making maybe this isn't all just research and maybe this isn't just uh, home videos. Um, it was around that time you know with the uh, murder of George Floyd, um, and our family began to speak out and we went to the protests and and then we started to have this backlash from the community for. Uh, supporting this very important cause and using our voices um, that it, it felt like this American dream story I always wanted to, to share uh, was actually unfolding itself in front of me through all everything that was happening in our country and specifically to our family in Bad Axe, Michigan. And, and I say that the, the American dream story became clear because it, it felt like for the first time in, a, in quite some time that this American dream that we feel like we accomplished was all of a sudden, you know, under attack or it was being threatened, right? Mm-hmm. Um, everything my, my family had worked so hard for, you know, even going back to my dad's roots of, of you know, surviving a genocide, coming to this country, struggling for many years to open up a restaurant um, and the family working together to keep it open, right? It felt like all of that was uh, potentially, you know, uh, could have been lost. And, and, and this was just, you know, in terms of how the community was reacting to our family supporting this cause. Um so I, I, you know, I, I put the brakes on on the script I was writing, and, and it became more and more clear that, oh my God, I think I'm making a documentary film <laughs> that is about America during this very specific time right now. And and while it's not exactly the same American dream story I've, I've been writing about for almost a decade, uh, it's something that required attention right now. There became a, a real sense of urgency. To the story, and and I think that's what makes you know those are some of my favorite documentaries is when there's a, a call to action and, and and it's a story that needs to be told right now. You know, Navalny, for instance, right? That's an example of uh, a, a really important story that had to be told at that specific time. And you know, I, I see Bad Axe, you know, being that, that same exact um, you know type of story where um, it, it was just so telling of the times we were living in, and a story that it felt like. Uh, you know, that I needed that I, I would later learn once the film came out, like, oh, this is actually a film a lot of people uh, mm-hmm. needed in, in America. So that's, that's sort of how the whole film came together. It's, I, I, I say often I, I'm an accidental documentary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bad accidental. Um, uh, oh, God. Uh, uh, I but mean, it's... <laughs> I'd never heard of Bad Axe before that. So I was just like, this is, that's quite a name. That's a town name if I've yeah, ever right. heard one for sure. Um, kind of know what you're getting into. When you're <laughs> that name. I I don't think there's any other place uh, on this earth called Bad Axe. So. Yeah. yeah, so it's a What's, very it's a very unique town name. Yeah, it's so interesting to me. Um, for most documentaries, but yours specifically, there's just so much. The dynamic in your family, married with the, you know, the 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 American dream of your parents coming over here, starting a business, and. Then you have the pandemic going on. You have obviously huge 
uh, you, you know, you have a huge narrative of, of racism throughout everything. And to be able to balance the narratives that you want to tell and make sure one aspect of it, you know, you have, you know, your father dealing with a lot of the stuff he's dealing with, with being over here and everything. And so I find it, I find it so fascinating how you're able to kind of uh, sculpt this, these stories in the edit. Cause I'm sure you have like, you know, God, thousands of hours of footage and to be able to go through all that and sculpt these stories, but making sure that you're telling them in a way that you're, it's like, well, we talked about the pandemic at the beginning and now we're talking about the business and you forget about the pandemic. So talk to me a little bit about how you're able to kind of tell this story in a, in a digestible way without it being, cause there's, like, yeah. there's just all over the, there's so much stuff going on, but you're able to really fine tune that into a, a, a highly digestible story, but still not losing any of the complexity. Yeah. You know, it's it, the process, you know, it was uh, obviously a lot of work. Right. I, I think I, I got to make sure my numbers. Right. I, I, I know I, I believe it was like under, over 350 hours. of footage. Mm-hmm. So so um, I, I started shooting in March 2020 and, you know, the movie ends in March 2021. Um, so you're looking about a, a, a year of footage and, you know, some days I'm shooting just literally nothing for two or three hours a day. like nothing it's yeah. you know, <laughs> it's, it's watching like you know uh paint dry um <laughs> and you know other days it's like okay this is i feel like this is something important i'm gonna mark that you know in, in the back of my head and, and make sure that's a moment i come back to um but my my initial approach to you know trying to weave together all these themes and then all these arcs um i i think i did rely a lot on my uh uh, my passion for writing. Um, I didn't know how you put together a documentary, you know, it's, it's, and I think there's not even one right way to do right. it. Yeah, so what I did was I, I relied on what I love doing, which is writing. And what I would do was um, I, I remember I, I, when we, I, I believe the first, you know, batch of footage that I shot was probably the first, I don't know, maybe 75 hours of footage and I handed it off to my, my first editor, Peter, and I said, look, um, here's some moments that stuck out to me. Uh, just go through these 75 hours and, and put me together like the highlight six hour version of this. You, you'll be able to tell like which moments are interesting and which are, it's just, hmm. you know, yeah. uh, I don't know, us throwing cornhole bags back and forth for <laughs> yeah, yeah. hours and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like nothing <laughs> happening, you know. Um, so there's a six hour so cut out there. It's not even a cut. It's just a. It's just like, <laughs> like an, an assembly. assembly. It's more avant garde, yeah. if you will. Yeah. It's it's yeah. It's very avant garde. It's very avant garde. You know. It's it's more so of like okay, here are just interesting moments that like yeah. you're you're actually getting a flavor of who these people are like in the six hour mm. timeline. That's a series. Uh, that's I'm we just did. saying. Like, you know that was that was a, a converse an early conversation because there was just yeah. so much footage. Um, but, but what I did with that six hours of that, that initial timeline and the process I continued to carry on afterwards is I just started writing a script, uh, based off these interesting scenes and moments that I had. So, you know, I, I would look at a dinner scene, for instance, and, um, really sit down and I would actually write like a narrative script as far as based on the mm-hmm. footage that I had, um, mm-hmm. picking out certain lines of. Of, of dialogue and saying, okay, you know, what can I cut here just to, you know, I, I can't have a five minute scene at a dinner table, right? It's got to be cut down, you know, to 90 seconds. So what can I do to write this all together into like a, a succinct scene that I then took that piece of paper and hand off to my editor and be like, hey, this is a scene I want you to edit together based off of, um, you know, this five, 10 minute clip that we have here. And, and that was the process that we really approached to get bad acts to like our first rough cut. After that, it changed because we had, you know, we had a, a structure um, or at least like the foundation for what the film could be. But yeah, it, it was a lot of writing and really thinking about the, the film for me, um, I don't know if this is the right way to describe it, from almost from like a narrative film point of view. I sure. I didn't even like think about like, oh, I'm making a documentary. It's more mm-hmm. so like, okay, I'm kind of reverse engineering, yeah. you know, a, a script based off these hours and hours of footage that I have. 
And like, does it tell a complete story at the end? And by the end of that first rough cut, it did. It, you know, mm-hmm. it was rough because of rough cuts, you know, it's things are messy, yeah. things aren't quite flowing together. But it felt like there was like a, a beginning and then a, a middle and then, a, you know, a cathartic ending. And then uh, we actually brought on a, another editor, Rosie, um, Rosie Wallenis, who is is fantastic. So she took this foundation that Peter built and then we really tore the film apart from there. And we're like, okay, what is the story? What is actually the story we're trying to tell? And while a lot of these scenes may seem like slice of life, and a lot of them are, you know, how are we continuing to build these characters to be, you know, how do I how do I allow the audience to see my sister exactly as how I see her or, mm. or as my father and understand these relationships and fall in love with them? That way, by the time the shoe drops, you know, um, when you're 45 minutes, you, you really connect and you you care about these characters, and um, and you want to follow this journey of okay, how is this family going to pull together and pull through with this? Now knowing everything you know that I know about them and continuing to learn more as the film unfolds, um, so it it was definitely you know a a very steep learning curve i feel like um as a first time documentary filmmaker doing this but um i I think what i learned from it is it's it's all storytelling at the end of the day you know um it's just a different medium of of telling it i i i wonder because i i've heard this a lot from um especially children of of uh, immigrants or of one parents an immigrant when whenever there is a restaurant or there is a food business involved there's always the pressure to continue in that business uh, so I wondered how yeah. did it go when you were like hey I'm going the film route um, because you could see the sort of struggle there um, yeah. I believe your was it your youngest <clears throat> sister that was going through through college yeah, at the time yeah. you know and she it's was, like she was graduating yeah yeah it does does she stay to do this does she you know do something else and and you know you can understand both sides and from a, a, the child's perspective where they just kind of want to do their own thing especially if they've been yeah. raised in restaurants they just kind of want to do their own thing but then you also don't want to lose that family legacy uh you know there is a point where your parents are going to go like we're done and do you just want to sell that off to somebody and um right yeah yeah, you know, that's uh, that is an experience I think that is all too familiar to excuse me, children of of immigrants and again when I w- was thinking about okay, this American dream story, you know, um how how do we tell it from two different perspectives? That of, you know, the parents, my my mom and my dad and that of the following generation. Um and, and you mentioned the word legacy. That that I think was so much a, a driving force of not only the, the narrative of the film, um, I think is a strong theme that comes through, but also for my, myself and my own motivation as a filmmaker was it, legacy is something that's very, very important. And, um, you know, for me to, to be the one uh, of my, of my four siblings, three siblings, I'm sorry. I'm, uh, I'm one of the four um, <laughs> to, to have the opportunity to, you know, do something different and to pursue, you know, not only a different career, but a, a career in the arts. Um, I, I feel incredibly privileged to have been able to do that. But I, I will say, like, it's not something I'd, I would ever have been able to do by myself. I would not be able to do it without the help from any, everyone in my family. Um, you know, Jacqueline, she she's the oldest of, of uh the four siblings and um she always had this pressure to literally carry on the family business uh and carry on the legacy of the restaurant because you know by the time she was old enough to work i want to say you know seven or eight years old she was working Mm -hmm. and uh you know she she put hours and hours and blood sweat and tears into uh the, the restaurant and so I, I think you see how important the restaurant is to her yeah. because mm-hmm. she knows, you know, not only how hard her parents, uh, our parents had to do to, you know, get the restaurant to work, but I think she also recognized how hard she had to work as well too. And, and that passes on to us as younger siblings yeah. where, 
I don't take anything for granted in, in my career. Um, and it's because I, I see how hard my, you know, and, and, and this is sort of the, I guess an immigrant mindset that a lot of people can relate to, but even goes back further. As I, I think about my, you know, my grandmother, as far as what she had to do to survive the killing fields with six children and make it out alive. Right. What, and what she had to sacrifice in order to do that, the unthinkable in so many ways. And then I think about my parents, right. These two um, young kids who don't have anything beyond a, a high school education hustling and grinding it out working 14 16 hours every single day while also raising a family right and then i think about jacqueline who you know has done so much for our family to make sure that that legacy stayed alive during you know the toughest times um i i recognize that in myself that you know i have to work so hard to make it all worth it uh all the sacrifices my family has done to allow me to go and, and chase this dream of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so, you know, I, I, I fully recognize that without, you know, um, two wonderful sisters who work every day to keep that restaurant open um, means that I actually, you know, don't have to, I'm, they want me to go and focus on my career as a filmmaker. They want right, me to make right. sure that's all worth it. And, and I feel like I owe it to all of them to make sure that, you know, I'm not slacking off and, you know, I, I, I'm a workaholic in, in many ways. And I feel like even on the toughest days that I work, it's still nothing compared to what they do. And I feel like, you know, I, I want to make that all worth it. And I think, you know, if you look at what uh, Raquel, my youngest sibling, who now manages a restaurant full time, um, I think she, she would have a very, very similar answer to, to me as far as why she made the choice to stay at the restaurant. Um, you know, she was at a crossroad where she's like, I, I don't really, you know, here I have this, this college education from University of Michigan, and I don't know what it is I want to do. And I, I remember, you know, many family conversations with her where, um, you know, I think she had the realization, she's like, well, I'm not just not going to do anything. So I might as well do something that's going to help out my family and honor, you know, um, what Jacqueline and, and, you know, our parents did to make sure that I was able to have the life that I had. Um, so I, I think it's something we all recognize in our own way, every, every single one of us. And, you know, as I'm, I'm making this film, you know, it's so personal to me. I'm not necessarily thinking like, oh my gosh, like I need to tell the immigrant experience. This is this has got to be a theme as part of it. Like, no, it's just personal to our story. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it means a lot when people see that that idea of legacy and um, you know, and as far as the responsibilities a lot of immigrant children have to carry on the family's business in their name, uh, it, it's something that I think really comes through in, in the story, but not in a way because I was trying to make it. It's just. It's just that's the reality of of what a lot of us feel. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's. I'm always so fascinated by you know I I grew up and you know my my family's not close now or anything like that. So anytime I see, um, a story about family, it's always so intriguing to me to kind of see that you know where like your sister like had no problem dropping everything and getting right to the restaurant to help out because everything that was going on you know Mm and so, um everybody was just like all hands on deck let's get this done because it has to get done and they put whatever yeah. whatever it is they were doing what they needed you know on the back burner to, to kind of all achieve this one common goal and coming together uh to achieve that it's just so like it's so it's obviously inspiring and and but for a lot of people that don't have that never grew up with that it's it's it it shows like another side of that experience whether you're an immigrant or not, right? I mean, this is kind of, these are, sure. these yeah. are themes that are just kind of universal. Um, and I think that's yeah, why absolutely. your film is so like, for, for someone like me, why it's so touching to someone like me to kind of see that, you know, to kind of see everybody come together and, and, st- and, and, and there's that great moment, which I want to get into a little bit where, you know, you guys, as a business, a lot of businesses tend to stay kind of just right down the middle. They don't want to upset one side or the other sure. side of whatever, be it a political spectrum or or whatever. And um, for you guys to kind of like take a stand and 
uh, um, you know, let your feelings be known in that moment, which then we get to see the aftermath of all that, both good and bad. Um, um, that is, it's interesting to me to to make that choice. So what was kind of like, I mean, was there a, a conversation beforehand to say like, this may affect our business, but this is something we believe in? I mean, you touched on it on, in the film. Because yeah. there I, was also that moment where that was really interesting for me on that same topic, like, you know, so so we can bunch it together where... The deaf guy was um, just ridiculous. I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't get over that. Where quote unquote um, deaf guy. your, uh, you know, everything, like the shit's starting to hit the fan, so to speak. And, you know, you're getting a lot of like these sort of veiled threats and things like that. And there yeah. was this moment where your mom turned around and she was like, you don't live here, though. <laughs> you know, and I understood that. I understood both sides of that. Right. Because it's like it could start looking like, OK, you've made your movie, but now we have to we have to live with the aftermath of this. Yeah. Um, and so there was also like this moment where. When it got to the point where you were going to premiere it, I was like, oh, crap, that's right. Like, they, they have to see this now, you know, because you were just kind of looking at it as like, oh, they're just documenting these moments. And then it's like, oh, how is this town going to respond to this film? I almost forgot that the whole goal of this was to make a film at the end <laughs> sure, yeah. and that people were going to watch it. And it's like, oh, well, this is going to be interesting. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I you know, I, I think because um, so much of this we were living through uh, at the time, it's. It, I think these conversations really started to take place, not necessarily when I began filming. It was more so once it became this thing that, oh, you're not just filming this footage anymore, David. You're editing the and you're turning it into, you know, um, uh, a public movie, domain you know, sort it's, of it's, it's a exactly right it's going to be out there for people to see and uh that's it, and it was really you know that I, specifically that i think that moment was i, I mentioned it was after the black lives matter movement that's when we made a sizzle reel and we did the crowdfunding campaign mm -hmm. um and i think that's when the conversation started to take place within the family it's like okay what are you doing um you, you yeah you can't show this you know yeah. why are you yeah. trying to stir the pot and 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 i say more specifically with with my parents right because um for them you know this was and for all of us but you know for them you know they had to assimilate in the community in a different way that me and my siblings had to um for them, it was always about, you know, putting on the happy face mm -hmm. and, you know, blending in, ex blending in, right. Don't, don't speak too loudly and don't, you know, um, don't cause any trouble. Right. Yeah. And, and I think in many ways, you know, my, my siblings and I growing up in, in Michigan, that's, you know, um, something that we picked up on as well too. But, you know, there, there comes a point, uh, you know, the generational differences unearth themselves and, you know, we realize like, wait, but why do we have to do that? You know, right. we bad acts is just as much our home as it is, you know, that guy over there. Why, why can't we have a voice that speaks, you know, as loudly and proudly as, as them. And I think that was, that was the argument a lot between, you know, myself and my parents was, you know, why are you doing this? Well, because it's important, you know, for X, Y, Z reasons that I said, you know, we, we have to share a voice. These are important moments where we have to stand solid. You know, all the things that the, that the film is meant to do. And um, I think it was scary for my parents, right? And, mm -hmm. and going back to the threat to the American dream, I, I feel like that's what they felt like was you're going to, you know, hurt the business and hurt the restaurants. And, 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 I, and, and I kept my family very much involved in the edit process in this film. Yeah. Um, I, it wasn't like I was like this, you know, I'm this artist who's going to go lock myself in a room. Yeah, yeah. And like, no one's going to tell me. It, it's, movies just aren't made that way. And uh, this one certainly wasn't. Um, I I showed my family every cut of the film. And a lot of it was because of the excitement, because I wanted them to like be sure. proud and see what I was doing. But the other was also because I, I did want to hear their thoughts. Because at the end of the day, this isn't... Uh, you know, it's it's not just my story; it's all of our story. Um, 
so it was really a, a collaborative effort. And I will say that the first early cuts of the film, um, I think I definitely um, did not hold anything back in terms of, you know, this is how we feel about, you know, President Trump. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I didn't hold any of those feelings back in the early cuts. And um, and I, I, I learned along the way with the help of my family and my collaborators was that, okay, well, what do you want this film to do at the end of the day? Do you want it to just go on to the echo chambers of, of everybody that, you know, who agrees with you? Or do you want it to actually be something that starts real dialogue and real change right. and i think i think any filmmaker will always tell you well why the reason why they make films is is because of the letter you know because they they believe that films have the power to change the world yep. um and i think that's something i hope what you know sharing my family's story would do so i i did listen with open ears from everyone and obviously you know as a director you can't take notes from everyone you're not going to have a movie yeah. at the end of the day one thing, what Jacqueline is saying is different from what my dad is saying. Yeah. It's different from, you know, what my brother-in-law Mike is saying, you know. Yeah. So so I, it was a really um, great experience in terms of, okay, this is how you take notes. You're, you're kind of absorbing it like a sponge, but you're it's forcing you to think about your vision uh, more specifically and the intention behind it. And as I continued through with the edit process and tuning the film, you know, um, I mentioned that I learned that, no, it can't be a preachy film in any way. What it has to do is it has to show the human experience. It has to show us exactly who we are um, as people, the the good and the bad. Um, We need to be human. And by the time and there was a little moment where I, I, I did sort of lock my family away after it's like, okay, now, now right. I know like, you know, what I, what I think I need to do now I actually do need to go and like, yeah. you know, focus on, on finishing this movie. And, um, and by the time I came back uh, with what was close to the final cut, uh, we sat down, we watched it and everybody was very moved by the piece and, I think the initial worries and concerns as far as, you know, how we look or, you know, what, how, how strong the film is coming off in terms of its message. I think those all kind of very much settled because uh, there was just so much truth and honesty in it. You know, mm-hmm. um, Jacqueline could watch the movie or my dad and be like, you know, wow, okay, you showed that one side of me, but then you informed the reason why that side exists. And, and so, right. you know, I, I think they became very proud of the film by the time we had what was close to, to the final cut. And um, the anxiety doesn't go away, though, sure. that that happens, you know. Um, I, I think the, you know, the real test was, okay, well, you know, we feel like this is a good story, but like, that doesn't mean the world is going to, right? Um, you know, so getting into um, South by Southwest, which is where our world premiere was at, um, I, it, we were so excited and you know ecstatic that like, wow, the the movie is actually going to have a real like movie premiere like at a major film festival. Um, but I think with that too was like, in, in my mom specifically, she was like oh my God, the movie is going to have like a real movie premiere. And like, it's <laughs> yeah. going to be seen by a lot of people. Um, I think, you know, after the initial screening and feeling the energy in the room of how closely people are connecting with it. And then, you know, hearing the sniffling and the tears and um, the, the laughs and the joy at the end of it. I think that eased a lot of the anxiety in, in everyone, including myself. Um, because they saw like, you know, I, I think they just got to see firsthand just how impactful our story can be. And so the, the, the real true test was, you know, obviously South by is in Austin, Texas. So nobody knows who we are, in that, mm-hmm. you know, but at this point the film was getting all the awards and getting, you know, raving reviews from, from the trades. And it was creating a lot of buzz in Bad X, you know, people in Bad X are like, okay, like, you know, let's see what this movie is all about. And that includes the people who supported it and the people who, you know, absolutely did not support it, who were against it. 
Um, so we had a screening in Bad Axe in May of of um, 20, this would have been 2022, May of 2022, we finally premiered the film in Bad Axe. And it, it, it was a packed house. Um, of, again, a mixture of people who supported the film mm-hmm. and people who did not support the film. Mm-hmm. They, the people who did not, you know, I, I think I was quite surprised that they decided to show up to the theater. Um, but it was curiosity, you know, right, and yeah. they wanted to see what this movie was about. And I think where the anxieties really, um, you know, ease themselves and the tension really ease themselves was after that screening because, um, and this was a really profound moment for me as a filmmaker. And I think we'll always, something that I, you know, I will always remember um, is w- and when we did the Q&A after that screening. Um, there were a lot of people who, you know, as I mentioned, that did not support the film. And I remember one person in particular, you know, they sh- shot up their hand and um, they didn't even ask a question. <laughs> As like, okay, you know, what, what are they going to say? Um, they first, you know, stood up and they said, you know, I do not agree with any of your family's politics but thank you so much for sharing your story and allowing me to see something I did not know existed in our community, a different experience. And I I say that was such a profound moment for me because, um, you know, I mentioned like, okay, I want this film to do something as far as like changing the world. Right. I think, I think I, you know, over the past few years, I, I had become quite cynical, um, just about sure. whether that could exist or not. Um, and I think in that moment and following that screening and having conversations with the community of Bad Axe and seeing how much this film meant to them on all sides of the spectrum, uh, the political spectrum, and seeing that this was a conversation and dialogue taking place that I don't think has ever taken place before in our community. Mm-hmm that's what made me realize what the power of cinema is. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, um, it's the ability to start the hard conversations to, to um, allow people to talk about the issues, not versus right or versus wrong, but just from a human aspect and um, to not see us as other, but as a community member and as an American just like them and that's how change starts right change isn't um it happens at a snail's pace it always has but i i think it does happen with one person one conversation at a time yeah absolutely. you know my 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 hope with the legacy of this film is and i've seen it happen is it continues to set the conversation in the community you know i'm i'm not naive enough to think okay do i think you know necessarily these people are going to change how they vote and this coming election you know no probably not right but you know just maybe with this film and how it sticks with them and um how you know it's brought up these conversations about racism you know maybe that's something that they would pass on to their children and their next generation one day and in turn maybe like that's you know that's how change happens right right um so no, it it, it was it, it was ended up being a very you know powerful uh, moment uh, again not not for me and and not for just my family but for the entire community to to see this take place and you know going back to this, the idea of the American dream, you know I think that's such a big theme in this film because you see what my parents' American dream is mm-hmm. um, throughout the movie right it's just they just wanted to raise a family and yeah. have yeah. a business and put food on the table and a roof over our head. Yeah. And then you see with, you know, my generation and my siblings, of course it includes all of that, right? But it's it's more than that. It's evolved, it's, it's shifted. And it's about having, you know, the stability and, and, and all of that. But it's also being able to be seen and to have a voice and be heard as an American just like any other. Because that's something my parents couldn't, necessarily focus on right they had to do almost the opposite yeah in order for us to now be able to okay 
here's how that dream has shifted. So I think it'll be interesting to see even the next generation, how that continues to build and continues to grow. Um, so, so yeah, you know, it's, it's, um, it's been really special to, to just see what this film has done. And especially now that I've had more perspective as time has passed and when the films come out, um, just as far how, as how it's really connected with people on, on such a universal level across races, across, you know, um, uh, what political party you are, because it, it's just a, it's a film about family and, and the American dream at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what's so powerful about that moment at the theater is that, you know, you didn't change that person may still vote the same way or whatever, but you open their eyes to something, you know, and that's the beginning yeah. of change. Mm-hmm. You're not going to, if you go into it expecting that you're going to change your whole town to thinking just like you, it's not going to happen, right? But sowing those seeds, right, and showing uh, another perspective, and maybe your goal isn't to make them all vote the same way or whatever the same way. It's just to open their eyes to your story and being able to see you as a person and not as you know, an immigrant or whatever, you know, you know, um, it's like your dad has that really strong moment where he says, uh, I think you guys are like driving to, to, to make sure your sister's walking home safe or something. And your dad's like, you know, these people tell me to go home, go back where I came from, but I've I've been living here longer than they have. And so, you Mm -hmm. know, it's just like, yeah, you know, it's just like, you know, uh, it's just a, for me, that moment was just like, yeah, like Jesus Christ, like, yeah. It was a really powerful right, film, right. and and uh, and I'm I'm glad we I'm glad we got to to see it, and and I look forward to I don't know if you might do another documentary or w- whatever you do next, but um, <laughs> maybe your family. I'm, I'm might, guessing narrative. Your family might be like, you know, I think we're good. Yeah, yeah. Get <laughs> the know, camera out of my face. I want to know how much footage you have of of stop it. <laughs> you know, to to be honest, I I have, and, and by the way, my my being got pushed to one p.m. now. I, oh, I okay. The email like five minutes ago. Um, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I haven't stopped filming my family, uh, even since the film <laughs> has wrapped. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I went to Cambodia, um, uh, past two weeks. And again, this is all just, you know, a, a big part of this trip was the reason was, okay, my, my scripts that I've been writing for almost a decade, it's now done, but. I need more. I, I need to see the places. I need to meet the people. Um, I, I need to, you know, uh, connect with this country in a way that I, I still don't think I quite have yet. And I filmed all of it. I'm, I'm going around Cambodia. It's 95 degrees out and I'm hauling my 20 pound camera everywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it was a very uh, emotional trip. Um, very, very emotional. And it's all captured on camera. And I'm like, did I just make another documentary? Yeah. So I don't know if anything will, will come for it, but you know, it's, um, it, it's kind of funny just uh, um, how bad acts, you know, it was just sort of an, an accident uh, to a means of, of telling this like dream project I have uh, about my family's and, and the country's history. Um so I don't know if, you know, uh, another documentary is, is in the works uh, as far as about the family. Um, very well could be. But like like I said, you know, there's certainly enough footage to, oh, yeah. <laughs> to probably make a trilogy at this point. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that it was just I, I really appreciated that you left um, you left in moments that were were pretty raw between, you know, your 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 uh, your sister and your dad having their arguments and, uh, you know, her being concerned about his health and, uh, you know, Mm. him lashing out at her and them screaming at each other, you know, because it's like, those are moments that were like, yeah, that's what happens in families. And you could sort of, you you could always, uh, um, clean that up and make it seem like it's a much more pristine situation, but it's high tension, not just because of what's going on around you, but because of the dynamic in the family and the stress that everybody's under. And I've always had, um, you know, I think that one of the things that's uh, sometimes uh, I find difficult with with this current generation is that there's there's no easing into change. It's like you have to just think this way now because that's the right way to think. And it's like, you know, um, I saw it a lot in with your dad in that he may not express himself in a way that 
perhaps your sister would want him to, but there was a genuine love there, but he's been through a lot, you know, so you have to expect sure. a person who's, you know, and I, I don't have, uh, you know, vast knowledge on the history of Cambodia, but I have watched a couple documentaries, so I do understand the stakes sure. were really high there. And so, you know, thinking about the mental state that you would be in as a child escaping that, that never leaves you. You know, yeah, so yeah. it's expecting a person to go, oh, I, I express myself this way now. And I it, that doesn't happen. Just knowing that, hey, there's been a lot of trauma there. How do we work together? We're two different people and you may not respond the way I want you to. But I understand that you genuinely care about me. Um, and I think that's what's really important. There has to be an ease into it. And sometimes that you know, that, that, that trauma never leaves. It often doesn't, you know, that it always sort of yeah. lingers in its own way. And so he has this very tough exterior where I feel like he keeps, and I could be completely, you know, wrong here, but it, the way it, it portrayed on camera was that he uses the, his work to uh, keep his mind busy. Mm -hmm. You know, if you sit too long yeah. with that, you know, so it was always like work, work, because yeah. if I don't think about work and I don't think about what's going on here, then I have to think about other things that aren't as pleasant. And so it, it was a great distraction. I think that working um, for him to that extent was a was a big distraction. So when, you know, your sister was saying like, hey, just sit down and relax. And I got this. It's like, that's probably the last thing that he wants to do. <laughs> Yeah, ex exactly. No, you, you nailed it r right on the head. You know, I mean, my dad hustled for literally from the time he was a 16 year old kid, you know, coming to this country, not speaking a word of English, you know, working in strawberry fields uh, every day and then being the paper boy and, you know, teaching Taekwondo. The man just always has kept busy his entire life just to, just to, you know, um, make ends meet and support a family. And then here comes this time in 2020 where all of a sudden um, he's just supposed to stop, you know, mm, he's, yeah. he's just not supposed to do anything. So yeah, it leaves him with a lot of time to sit and, and um, think about his past and reflect on his trauma. You know, it's, it's interesting. Like I, I feel like in many ways, um, it, I don't know if I'll say this right, but like anxiety is almost a privilege in many ways to have. Mm -hmm. And I, I think I say that as someone who is, has gone through, you know, uh, anxiety and depression that like, you realize like, oh, but, you know, in other countries, other situations, people don't have time to think about yeah. literally yeah. Trying to make <laughs> yeah. a living. Right. And and I think with, you know, my dad, like he all of a sudden had all this free time he never had before in his life. And he's uh forced to confront his his demons in a lot of way but thankfully he was like open and willing to talk about it uh in a way that i think you know that i know that a lot of people who come from where he came from the, the killing fields that they don't um so i think the process of making this film was actually quite therapeutic and healing yeah. for him to you know a lot of times it felt like he was just talking to me and sometimes it felt like he was like, uh, it's hard to describe. Like there are moments in the film where I feel like he's talking to me, David, his son. And then other times where he feels like he's just trying to get something off of his chest and yeah. just trying to, mm. you know, and, and I think it, it, both of those moments are important. And I think it, it, by talking about what his brain is processing and what he's going through, you know, um, helped him a lot and as far as serving the story you know if i didn't include the backstory of cambodia you know at least a little bit as far as and again it's you're just seeing a, a bit of it's it's a 104 minute movie it's hard to right. really yeah right you know like i said I've, I've been working on a script for 10 years that's about yeah. what he actually went through right right so how do I give that at least an essence of a, just a little bit of that into bad acts into this film where you have an understanding that like my dad's not an asshole just for the sake of being an asshole. He can be an asshole. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, this is, this is what he, he went through. He went through right. the unthinkable, you know, uh, going across fields of, corpse and trying to make it from one side to the other mm -hmm. um 
losing the father where he had so much hate and resentment towards him and he never got to bend any of that with him because he never saw him again. Right. Um, literally, you know, getting the shit beat out of him uh, because he tried to steal a couple of cups of rice to feed his mother and his five younger siblings, you know? So you try to give just a basic understanding of like, no, he's, this is a man who has so many wounds inside of him and it affects him who he is as a person Mm -hmm. and therefore it's going to affect how he is as a father and how he handles certain situations. And with the pandemic, he's forced to have that much more time to think about all of that and sit with all of that. But on the other side of that, he's able to have time to actually now do that and heal through it in in Mm -hmm. a way as well. Um, So, so yeah, I'm glad that really came, came through, you know, um, because it, it is, you know, something that I imagine that a, a lot of, uh, you know, not even just immigrants, but people with trauma, you know, had during COVID is like all of a sudden you just have time. Mm-hmm. You just yeah. have time to. People were getting divorced. And, it was yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah. Right. So. Yeah. He seemed, your, your father, at least in the film, came off as pretty self-aware of yeah. the things. And Very. that doesn't mean that you automatically can't do it anymore oh you know you do this so that means you can't you don't you shouldn't be doing it anymore and it doesn't obviously doesn't work like that as we all know but yeah. i think that's so it's such an important step in that is it's just being aware of yes i was I, actually surprised by that i expected yeah. him to be more like yeah deal with it but he yeah. had these moments we'd sit back like, like all right yeah. <laughs> probably yeah. shouldn't and have said you, that you know and you know it he did for a long time i think have that attitude where he wasn't quite aware of it mm-hmm. um you know, there there were many arguments we had growing up, you know, uh, not only him and Jacqueline, obviously, but, you know, him and my mom, right. me and him, you know, when I said I wanted to go become a film, you know, right. uh, it, 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 a lot of the time it was either his way or, or the highway. But again, going back to, you know, my siblings, I generation, you know, we, we, in many ways, uh, the reason why we're so outspoken is because we had to be outspoken against him mm-hmm. <laughs> right you right. know we 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 love our father more than anything but at the same time we always you know we always tried to hold him accountable for his actions you know it, I, I always tried to approach when he has a, um, a moment or an episode with uh compassion and understanding but also saying what you did is wrong and 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 you see a moment like that in the film between him and uh, my mother where right. she tells him like how you talk to Jacqueline is just there's no excuse. You're yeah. wrong. And, and I think, you know, as he's gotten older and especially during the pandemic, um, that self-awareness really was something that, uh, um, that I'm proud of that, you know, he, uh, he was able to recognize, you know, he was able to recognize, like, I, I wish I didn't do that. I know what I did was wrong. And, you know, uh, I'm going to work on not doing that again. And yeah. and even since then, he's he's even gotten you know better. And yeah. I feel like every day, you know, every day is a battle for him. Yeah. It, it, it still is. Um, sure. But I will say proudly, as his son and someone who has so much love for him, is uh, he overcomes that battle and takes a step full step forward beyond that every day too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with uh, you have to imagine that when you have a work ethic like that. I mean, your father probably has like probably one of the best work ethics you've ever seen. And when oh, you, yeah. and mm-hmm. and when you put your mind to to something, when you have that kind of mentality, even if it's you know, there's no way that it's not like if he genuinely wants to change, he's going to change just because of the type of person he is, and he's just gonna attack it. It's not gonna be easy, obviously, and it's gonna take yeah. a while. But someone like that, when they become self aware and they and they are are determined to do something, they're gonna do it. And um, that's when I knew, like I watched it, and I was and I saw him being self-aware i was like yeah this you know you know like this person has the ability to change and is is more than likely going to change and um for the better and for themselves you know like because our idea of what that person should be may not be objectively what that person needs to be right and so sure. um mm-hmm. that uh i don't know that was just like a really great moment for me to to see that to see that growth and that and that change for him 
and not just for me and my view of him, but for him as a person. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Also, yeah. like, shout-outs to your mom, too, because yeah, yeah. that's, you know, it, it, it's a different relationship, you know, when you're married, when that's your spouse, you know, it's a, it's a different yeah. relationship. And then you're working together all the time. So um, that's, a, that's, that, that's a lot of work that you have to put into making a marriage or a relationship like that uh, work together because there's no break. You know, she doesn't get to go, you know what, I'm just going to see you later. It's like you're at work. you know. So it's all the time yeah. and then you're raising kids and stuff. So I was, first of all, your mom looks fantastic. I was a little confused in the beginning. I was like, is this his mom? Like, I thought it was like an older sister. I was yeah. just like, they have her like really young or where's the um, mom? Um, I'll, I'll let her, I'll let yeah. her. <laughs> but um, you know, it's 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 a it's inspiring, I guess, for the lack of a better term, just because, you know, Paul and I both come from from families where we're not very close. And so, uh, you know, when you see that, you're always like I, I had friends that that had families like that. And it was always kind of like you were sitting in the corner watching a show because you, you didn't understand how this right, dynamic right. worked. It was all these opinions right. happening at the same time and everyone's talking over one another. And it was just like, you know, so it, it yeah. was there, there was something familiar in it in that I've had friends whose families were like that. And, uh, and it's one that actually owned a restaurant as well. So I, I remember that, you know, being such said, a big yeah, part. So yeah. She, yeah, reflect, she, her yeah. family had uh, owned a Chinese food restaurant. And so there was also that pressure as well, even in junior high that like, what are you going to do? Because, you know, and she was like, I don't want to run this restaurant, you know? So, sure, sure, um, yeah. I remember, you know, um, the way that worked and, and how it was such a part of her life, coming home from school, immediately going into the restaurant and, uh, you know, having to help out. And so um, I just say I, I really appreciated the film and I thought it was interesting to kind of have that moment to sort of peek into into your lives and 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 see how all of that worked out. Yeah, it was like kind of three films in one that yeah. all sort of, that came together really well in, in, in editing because that could seem disjointed, you know, if, sure. if, you, if yeah, you're not yeah, careful yeah. with it. So um yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully there, you know, m maybe there'll be like a like a, a short documentary on the Cambodian experience with like Bad Axe, the Cambodian edition. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. Like right. the It'll all wrap up. Know, so we'll, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I can't and, get and away from documentaries. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. yeah right, just, <laughs> but, you know, they, we've, they we've, people we've spoken to on the show that have done documentaries, almost every single one of them will say, I did not intend to make documentaries. It always just sort of yeah. happens to them. Yeah. And then, happens, yeah, yeah, and then that's what sort of gets their foot in the door was that they did documentaries. And now it's what people sort of but want always, from yeah. them. Yeah. I think it's, it's, right, it speaks right. to like, you know, you know, they always say like the, some of the best writers, you know, experience the most, right? Where they come from sure. trauma or they've been through around the world or whatever it is. Um, and I think documentaries are a good place to kind of harness that. Right. And so. You know, I think so too. Yeah, yeah like it's, someone it's like me had a boring that... white grow. You know, you're, just, you know, you're uh, just a big white dude. It was just, it was just like <laughs> nothing, nothing fantastic or or evil happened to me. So it's you know, I'm a horrible writer as a result of it. And I have tons of <laughs> trauma, so I love writing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you work with what you got. You yeah. know what I mean? You got to you got to make the you, best of it. Lemons and lemonade, you, as they you, say. I, I I truly believe everybody has. Uh, personal sure like, I, it's all I mean, it's all a relative um, right you know what, what he absolutely does he's just he he's like textbook the person there's, that just goes like i'm gonna put that over there and act like it doesn't exist yeah. that's there's people yeah. that have had it yeah. worse than you people that had it better than you no matter what you've been through but, life, yeah. so. but there's certainly uh, amazing stories that exist in that you know sure. um, for boring it, white guys i mean look at <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, like I, not not to call uh, Cooper Rafe a born white guy at all, but I, but Shit House was a movie I loved, right? Sure. And it's just like it's it's a slice yeah, of life into like yeah. this, uh, college experience, right? And yeah, it's yeah. a point of view from from a, a young white guy, but it's a, it's a well made film. It has a lot of heart, and it's personal, yeah. right? So yeah. it's you know that's why I feel like yeah, everyone has their their own uh, personal stories that they they can you know I, I think if done from a personal point of view, you know I think people just can't help but you know find the charm and, and the love in that. Mm. Yeah. I always like to ask of, of anybody who is also a writer, if you had, if you had a, if you had things your way, is there a genre that you would like to sort of jump into? It's so, that's a good question. Um, no, I'm not tied to any genre at all. Um, you know, my Cambodian script is a, 
it's a historical epic, mm. right? It's a personal historical epic um, that tells the story of a country through the point of view of a 16 year old um, young man. Um, I, uh, a film I hope to shoot by next year, it's very much like my Cambodian version of like a Coen Brothers taxi driver film that takes place like in Cambodia. Mm. So like I'm, I, I, there's not one specific genre I, I, I love. I, I enjoy writing comedy. Um, stoner comedies. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, it's hard for me to say like, oh, then there's one specific genre, one specific, you know, way of making a film I'd like, I'd like to make. I, I think I like to be very open. You know, I, um, I enjoy watching, you know, the, the more slow burn films, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, like Nomadland as much as like, I love Pulp Fiction or Aaron Sorkin, you know, so I, 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 I love, you know, I love everything. I, I truly, truly do. And yeah, it'd be hard for me to say that like, oh, there's just, there's just one area or genre I wish I could mm-hmm. focus on. I want to do it all. Well, I think, I think the three topics in this film yeah. sort of speaks yeah, for let that. The, yeah. Let the story drive the, yeah. the genre. Yeah. 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 I, I think if anything, at the end of the day, it's, um, uh, I, I do feel like regardless of whatever genre I, I find myself writing, it's all coming from an incredibly personal place. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and, and I think, I, I know that's not a genre, but yeah, it, it's hard for me to, um, you know, I, I recently had a, a, a friend, another writer who asked me, you know, can you, can you help me write my script? And it's, it's about this um, Jewish Russian experience and a, I felt bad. I'm like, I don't think I'm the guy to to do that. You know, mm-hmm. I can give notes on it, but um, I I just don't quite know that experience in a way that you do. I I can help because it's an American dream experience, you know, whatever. Yeah. But you know, I, I think you really need to write this. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's this is your story, and I'm happy to help along the way. So, so yeah, I, I think it, it just comes back to uh, personal storytelling for me at the end of the day, and that can come in, in so many different ways. I mean, yeah. um, you know, by um, for a while, I really wanted to do like the Blink One Eighty Two doc. It wasn't able to get off the ground, but Blink One Eighty Two is a very personal. It's very personal to me, right? Yeah, yeah. A band that I think so much has shaped the uh, the artists who I am and the person I am, and and so that personalness, I guess, is what I'm saying. It, it can come in in its different right. forms. You know, I don't think everything I I need to do needs to be a necessarily go like, oh, from the point of view of a you know uh, Cambodian Mexican American right. kid, right? But it's right. just like what can I find in it that's that I can relate to and put my own heart into? Yeah. So how, how do you, would you then struggle with like writer for hire stuff? If someone was like, I need you to write uh, an action film because you're a strong writer. I, I in probably general, shouldn't so. say this because like, I, I would love that paycheck, but I honestly think I would, I, I think I really, really would. And, my dad always pushes me. He's like, you got to go and make things that make money. That's the struggle, right? Yeah. I mean, as, as yeah, when you're working yeah. in any creative field, it's, it's, it's dealing with the art versus commerce, you know, that whole battle from the, from the be- very beginning. And, you know, it's, it's something we, we talk about and we struggle with too. It's like, yeah, we can make this film and it would be much more creatively satisfying. But if we make this film, it would be much more commercially viable but then will that lead to the, if making this film leads to this film, is that okay? You know, it's it, like, yeah. there's a whole, there's a whole rabbit hole that, yeah. we, that we've gone down yeah. a couple and, of times about that. <clears throat> and I, and I think, you know, the way I, I look at my, you know, um, I way I envision my career to be, you know, I, I think I'm always thinking like a 10 year plan and, you know, I know this Cambodian epic, it's not going to be a film that gets made anytime soon. Right. It's, a film in, in many ways I way I envision it's like a film on a scale of, of like a Schindler's List or you know that sort of level and it's like well no mm-hmm. one's going to go and give me the money to go and make a movie like that no, no matter how good the script is yeah right? they don't make those films anymore so, yeah right and it's it's very and especially you know a film in Cambodia foreign language right it's so I, I, I'm very realistic about my expectations but at the same time I'm thinking I'm like okay you know what are the three type of films that I can do that do have commercial viability to them and are personal that I can continue to build towards. So maybe, you know, 10, 15 years from now, 
I am in a position where I can make that movie. Right. And it's very stressful, you know, I think as, as filmmaker and, and something that, you know, um, I, I'm not sure how many filmmakers go through just in terms of how, you know, I, I feel like that script is my life's work and right. my life's passion. And if there's going to, I feel like everything I will do as a filmmaker will be just to make that one script one day. And so it's a very uh, stressful way to come at it, you know, when thinking about how I hope and envision my career is like, okay, what are all the things I need to do that can prove I'm a filmmaker that can not only make good films, but make good films that make good money. So that way someday someone will let me go and make this dream movie of mine. Right, right. Um, your blank check movie, yeah. Exactly, exactly. You know, it's a, um, it's a stressful thing to think about in, <laughs> you know, in your <laughs> early 30s. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. How am I going to get there one day? You know, I, I, I got a lot of other stories I, I want to tell, but out of all of them, that's the one that I need to tell, you know? Yeah. Well, hopefully, so I don't, hopefully the next can, time we have, hopefully we can have the a show. conversation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it it yeah. will be, it will be after the fact when you're in post on too, that. <laughs> be too big for us then. Yeah. And he'll be like, um, I, I got things uh-huh. to do here. Go gorilla, um, go after yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, we, we really appreciate you being on the show and, and we really enjoyed the film and uh, we suggest anybody listening go to go watch it. It's yeah, on we'll Hulu, have... I believe, right? Yep. That was where we watched it. Um, it's streaming on Hulu and I think you can rent it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so if you have a Hulu subscription, you can watch it on there and then you can rent it, I think, anywhere mm-hmm. else, like on Amazon okay. or Apple. On I'd say places, rent it because so. then that money hopefully will get to, to you at some point. Yeah, at some point, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> After it dwindles down, you're like, yeah, yeah. I've got 47 cents. Thank you for the rental. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much day, for being so. on, David. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. I uh, really enjoyed this conversation. So um, if you've not watched the film Bad X, you should watch it. Yep. It is on Hulu or you and can rent it. Thank you, David, it. for coming on. Yeah. really appreciate it. I look forward to see what he's, what he's doing next. Um, yeah. Yeah, hopefully we'll we'll stay in touch and and you know um, we'll see what he's been working on. We'll definitely um, stalk him from afar to see where he's <laughs> what he's been up to and stuff. Um, yeah, it was it was it was a really good film. I always like watching a good documentary. And me um, too. I know. <laughs> when forced, uh, but see, no, it was you really good. Missed out on a good documentary. Yeah. So yeah. you gotta you gotta embrace it a bit. Um, yeah. So we you know as we've said before, we're kind of just. Um, we're we're tapering our episodes down to just the when we have guests and uh so you know yeah we don't know what's going on next but we kind of like it that way it keeps us mysterious you'll just have to got a hang couple on. things in the work so we'll see yeah so we'll see what's going on um shout out to, to mograph to mograph and uh till we see you again guys have a good one Bye.